right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I am Derek Johnson. In today, solo, uh, Nick Springer. We, we do have one segment that Nick will be a part of because uh, before he had to leave, he's getting like a dental procedure or something. Um, he uh, recorded a draft with me. So we'll have that later on in the show. It'll be a draft of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul characters. So uh, looking forward to that with the, uh, uh, that I guess, universe of uh, characters. So we'll do that in the 4 o'clock hour. We also have lie detector tests coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. We have uh, some Bill Self audio after last night with the NBA draft. He spoke about his uh, two players getting taken and what their possible fits to the NBA could be moving forward. Uh, so we'll share that audio later for you this hour. We got a KU Football Friday question And we also are going to talk a little bit about Hunter Dickinson. What exactly could his fit be uh, with this year's team and and exactly how is KU going to use him? All that and plenty more on today's edition of the show. Starting right off the bat, though, the NBA draft was last night. Both KU players end up getting drafted. Uh, Before I get into the specifics on the draft itself, what happened, Grady Dick, Jalen Wilson, where they went, and, and my thoughts on that. Um, I would just like to say, the actual event, if you watched the entire thing, round of applause to you. Uh, there definitely hit a certain point for me, like, I don't know, some way early in the second round where the only reason I was hanging around, I was just waiting to see where Jalen Wilson went. And in hindsight, I probably could have just not even done that as soon as 51 went I TV was off and I was in bed um which maybe just speaks more to me being you know an old person um but you know the, the coverage sucked like there was just there was just it felt like there was no analysis it felt like every draft pick was like okay they got picked like it would be one brief thing of analysis like oh yeah I think this guy can be good he shoots well and then it'd be like interview with the player and then it'd be like commercial and then it'd be like come back and then it'd be like all right, we're going to the next one. I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I learned anything, um, which is saying something. I, I do watch a good amount of college basketball, and, you know, I do pay attention to a lot of the pre-draft stuff from, you know, different podcasts or reading different articles from writers that I like. But there are a, there are a decent amount of pro- – I mean, there, there are a lot of prospects that I just straight up have never seen. Like, I'm, I'm never watching the G League Ignite guys, you know, stuff like that. And there are a lot of prospects who, even if I did see them play college basketball, I might have only seen them play like a game or two, you know? So for me not to learn anything last night as I'm watching that coverage probably does not speak to how good the coverage got, uh, went. It, it was so boring, man. I also had zero clue what was happening. I feel like they, um, you know, it, it was unfortunate because uh, I, I do not like the Shams thing. I, I muted Shams on Twitter. So annoying when you get somebody who's just spoiling the draft for you. It's not what I'm looking at. I, I'm looking for the entertainment value. At the same point in time, um, I would have liked to like 
have Woj come up on the screen more often and be like, all right, these are the trades that are happening because there were so many trades. You got to a point in the second round where you had zero clue what was happening. Who's getting taken here? What team is he actually going to? You'd have these players get brought up on the stage and they get uh, a team's hat and everybody's like, oh, I know you're not actually going to that team. Can we get him the right hat? It, it was boring. You didn't know what was going on. Uh, I had to stay off you know, Twitter for, for the sham side of it until I muted him. Uh, it took way too long. It, it was like three and a half hours for the first round with like five minutes of pick. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Uh, so NBA draft itself, I would give it a D. You know, you're going to see a lot of draft grades today. What about the draft itself? D or an F, honestly? Um, so Grady Dick ends up going pick 13 to the Toronto Raptors. And after pick 11 passed, he doesn't go to the Orlando Magic. It was like, okay, where, where exactly is he going to go? Because that's a spot that a lot of people were pinpointing for him that made a lot of sense. And he ends up with what, in my opinion, amounts to be a, a pretty perfect fit. I, I think Orlando would have been a good fit, too. And... It is very weird that Orlando decided to take Jet Howard over Grady Dick. Like, if you're just going for a shooter, which is what Jet Howard is, like, Grady Dick is a better shooter. He is bigger than him. Um, all the defensive concerns that NBA teams might have about Grady Dick, those still apply for Jet Howard as well. Like, uh, that was a very weird one for them. Um, but the Raptors, in the same way that the Magic were, and, and I think the Thunder kind of apply to this too, which made them an interesting possible piece in that range also. I think they picked 12, although... Uh, that got kind of messed around with some trades, was that there are a lot of teams up there that have a bunch of these big, versatile players that they need more shooting. And with Toronto, they ranked 28th of 30 teams in the NBA last season in three-point shooting. So this was one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA a season ago. That is beautiful for Grady Dick to go into because he is now needed. He is needed, and I think... For some guys, when you get drafted, it's almost like this long-term process of you need to earn your way in and, and you need to figure it out, this and that. With Grady, I think the best thing that he can do, because, yeah, there were defensive inconsistencies at Kansas, but he always seemed to try hard on that end of the floor. And so if you're trying hard, if you have the effort, if you have the hustle, the best way for you to learn and get better at something when you're trying hard at it is just more repetition. So you want to go to a spot, if you're Grady Dick here, where you are going to play a good number of minutes right off the bat. And for a team that needs three-point shooting, you're going to get on the floor for that specific skill. And for, for a team that that values like having guys who are you know bigger than... Like, if Grady Dick's a shooting guard at six foot eight, he's taller than your normal shooting guard. And, you know, you look at the the Toronto Raptors roster, obviously it's, it's in flux because you never know what's going to happen with free agency upcoming here. But you've got five power forwards on the roster um, for Toronto, one center. They've only got one point guard. They've got one shooting guard, which is Gary Trent. And then they've got like three small forwards. With OG Ananobi is, Ananobi is really good. But Otto Porter Jr. is, you know, he's fine. Joe Wieskamp is a young player. Like, Grady Dick should be able to carve out a good amount of playing time right off the bat, both in terms of what's on the roster, in terms of what he does well, and being in a good system that is going to cover up some of his issues. You you have a lot of good defensive players, a lot of switchable wings on the team. Scotty Barnes, Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, that this to me is a really perfect fit for him. And it's a team that uh, made the playoffs not this past year, but the year before. Uh, like they've got good enough pieces to make the playoffs and, and for him to make an impact on that. So I, I love the fit there for, uh, for Grady. As far as Jalen Wilson, 
started getting to a point in the in the draft in the second round where you're like, oh man, is is this going to be another one of those undrafted KU guys who ended up not you know uh, getting through? And uh, by the way, one thing that I I I saw some people mention this, and I was like, what is is this new? I, I guess they did pass a new rule where if a player is undrafted and they did not like, and they maintained their eligibility in terms of like with the agent side of things and not taking money and you know, whatever other check marks, uh, marks, you also had to be invited to the combine. If you go undrafted, you could return to school. I guess that's a new rule. So if Jalen would have gone undrafted, I guess, hypothetically, if he maintained that other stuff, he was invited to the combine. I guess he could have technically returned if he was undrafted, which becomes interesting for like, I don't know, Drew Timmy, Oscar Sheba. Again, you don't know which of these guys uh, actually have maintained that eligibility. And also some of those guys might have just gone because it was time to move on and they were fine being on a two-way contract or they're fine being on, you know, a training camp deal or, or earning their way in to some regard. And you do have to notify your school by Monday. Obviously that won't apply at this point for Kansas. Maybe it turns into possible players being in the transfer portal. But to be honest, I, I feel like if you stayed into the draft this late, even if you went undrafted, you're just going to stick with your pro career. I don't know. We'll see. Nonetheless, uh, it felt like things were sliding there a little bit further than you wanted to or, or you thought was going to end up happening. And then the Brooklyn Nets end up taking him with the 51st overall pick in the NBA draft. Uh, cool that um, Jock Vaughn is going to be his head coach now that you get that kind of KU connection. And when you look at the Nets roster, this is a team that made the playoffs this last year. But this isn't like a a for sure playoff team. Part of the reason they made the playoffs last year, they had Kevin Durant on their team for a while and he boosted up their win total before he got traded. Now, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson were good for them once they came over from the Suns, but this might, might not be a playoff team, right? And that could create opportunity. Um, I think that's the best. I don't know. Like if, if you're Jalen Wilson, you're trying to prove what you are, what you can be. You basically have two good avenues of second-round pick. Try to be on a winning team where you can work your way in as a role player or be on a team where there is a lot of opportunity for playing time and they almost have to play you, and you can prove enough to get it done. You know, you look at the Nets roster. Um, we'll see what position exactly he plays in the NBA. Is he going to be more of a small forward, more of a power forward? Their only power forward right now on the roster is Dorian Finney-Smith. Good veteran, solid starter, which, by the way, that's, that's somebody, you know, it's good to have veterans to look up to and to learn from, so that could be good there, but they don't have the depth behind him. At small forward, Mikhail Bridges, he's going to be starting, playing a ton of minutes, scoring a lot of points, all that stuff. Uh, the backup is Royce O'Neal, who's really good defender. That could be somebody else to learn something good from, but that's all they have for those, and, and O'Neal's been rumored in, in all sorts of trades uh, with other teams. So, like, there, there is not, I guess, a ton of wing depth on Brooklyn, where maybe he could carve out a role and get some early playing time. Now, obviously, when he's a second-round pick, though, like he's not going to be counted on to be a part of the rotation right off the bat. He's going to have to earn his way in uh, probably a little more than what Grady Dick is going to have to do. Uh, but at least the playing time, the opportunity is there for Jalen Wilson. So uh, good luck to both those guys moving forward. Uh, outside of that, other draft thoughts or notes from the draft, uh, Victor Weminyama is gigantic, but I don't think we paid attention to how big his brother is. Like his brother looked short compared to him, but he might still be like six ten. I don't know how old his brother is. Are we, do we have another Weminyama to look forward to? I don't know. Um, it was funny. Pick number two, Brandon Miller goes to the Hornets, which uh, we'll get in more on this with the the betting markets and how crazy that was. Um, the Hornets fans were not happy 
There was a video of this popular Hornets fans hangout bar restaurant area and just booze cascade the entire room. When they announced Brandon Miller, people are like going, scoot, 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 and Brandon Miller, you get booze. They had a watch party in the Charlotte Hornets actual arena for the, the event. Just booze filling the arena. The Charlotte Hornets mascot, there was video of the Hornets mascot like putting his his you know hands on his head like oh what are we doing like we we went for Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson I mean the, there was a bit of this last year when Paulo Bencaro went over some of those other guys but I don't know that that felt a little little odd sometimes these like late surgers who it's like headed into the draft process oh it's of course it was going to be Scoot ahead of Brandon Miller or like of course it was going to be Julia Okafor ahead of Carl Anthony Towns and then there's a late switch somehow Sometimes that ends up working out. I have a feeling this one's not going to work out for the Hornets. Um, I think Scoot Henderson is going to be freaking awesome. And Brandon Miller, I mean, Brandon Miller shot 39% on shots at the rim in the half court. That would worry me a little that he's going to be just like a, I feel like the floor is high in Brandon Miller, but that, you know, he could just be like a solid role playing. St- I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, would it shock anyone if this ended up being kind of similar to the, 1980, I forget if it was 84, 85 draft. I don't mean that somebody's Michael Jordan. I, that's not what I'm talking about. But in terms of how in that draft, it was Akeem Olajuwon, number one, ended up being a Hall of Fame level player, won a couple titles, you know, really good player. Uh, one of the, I don't know what, 30 best players in NBA history. It would shock you if Victor Wembanyama was a really good player, maybe won a title or two, maybe won an MVP or two. And then the second pick in that draft was the Bowie guy, the Sam Bowie from Kentucky who ended up being a bust. If that happened here, Brandon Miller, if that were to be the case. And then the guy who went third in the draft actually ended up being the best one in the draft class in Michael Jordan. I'm not saying Scoot Henderson is Michael Jordan, but um, just in terms of following the path of the guy who goes third being the best player, impacting the most winning, you have a very competitive guy in Scoot Henderson. Like, would it be crazy if Victor Weminyama had injuries with his, you know, super thin body and everything like that? Or if he, you know, he shot 27% from three this last year it's projectable to say that, oh, he'll shoot better than that moving forward. And, you know, it was on a European three-point line. So I guess, I don't know, is that closer or further than what a college line is? doesn't matter. Um, like, what if Victor Wembanyama ends up being a really good player? Like I said, like, he even wins an MVP. He even wins a title. Like, that would 100% be worth it, obviously. But what if Scoot Henderson ends up being, like, the guy? You know, he wins three MVPs. He wins three NBA finals, right? Uh, I don't know. I just had some thoughts about that. The Rockets seemed to kill it after that. It was unfortunate for them. They really wanted a top three pick, and honestly, that would have still ended up better. But uh, Amen Thompson, really athletic guard, high ceiling. We'll see what happens with the shot and everything. But they took two swings, and you know, if even one works out, Kim Whitmore ends up falling to them at pick 20. Those are two guys that on a lot of mock drafts and big boards were both top five guys. If one of them lives up to the hype, they're going to feel good about the draft class. And if one of them lives up to the hype and the other one's even just like a quality rotation player or like a quality fifth starter, they're going to feel like they absolutely stole this draft. Uh, the Wizards continued to make odd moves. It's funny. They're making all these weird trades, and I don't know what the direction they're going in. They're tanking in a year when the draft isn't going to be very good. Um, and then they made the reach of the draft with Bilal Koulibaly, uh from France, who feels like to me just the wing version of Frank Nilakina. I'll be interested to see how this draft, though, I guess going further down the list of, of things that how they impact KU. There are a couple big questions, I think, now for KU. One, who will be the highest drafted player in next year's draft 
currently on the KU roster. Dewan Harris feels like he'll be back for another year. I don't know that that market is going to be there, right? Now, if Dewan has as good of a year as some people think, what if he's like a third-team All-American, averaging 11 points, eight assists per game? He might start getting some hype, but I feel like that would be like late second-round hype at best, right? Um, Marco Jackson has the athleticism and the possibility. The thing with El Marco is what's the role going to be? If El Marco ends up playing 22, 24 minutes per game, 20-plus minutes per game, and he looks really good in that role, he can obviously be like an early second, first-round pick. I don't know, anywhere in the top like 35, I feel like that could happen. So maybe he's the answer. Arteria Morris has pro. He, he posted something on Instagram with a countdown to next year's draft, like this time next year. So his plans are to be a one-and-done at Kansas and to have that final year. Again, how much is he going to play? I don't know. If Nick Timberlake comes in and scores 13 a game for what ends up being one of the best teams in the country, shoots really well from three, he's an older player, um, could he have a chance at being a late second-round pick with the amount that the NBA values shooting? I'd probably guess not, but I guess you can find a path for it there. Um, let's see. Who else could be of interest? K.J. Adams, if the shot comes down. I don't know. I feel like that's going to be take another year in there because of the uh, shooting possibility. Hunter Dickinson, possibly like a late second-round pick or something like that. Okay? Maybe that's 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 where you can go with this. Uh, if Marcus Adams or Jamari McDowell made an impact, like maybe down the road, but that, th- those feel like guys that would more so be in a future draft as opposed to next year's draft. And then you have Kevin McCuller, who I maintain that if Kevin comes back and he shoots even like 35% from three, I, I think he'll be a for-sure draft pick. I don't know that he'd be a first-round draft pick, though. So I, I think if you were making betting odds, El Marco Jackson would probably go number one. Kevin McCuller, Arterio Morris would probably be around the same at number two, and then Hunter Dickinson would be right after that, and then probably KJ after that for most likely get taken in the 2024 draft specifically, not just any draft. But what, what becomes interesting to me for Hunter Dickinson, there's been a lot of talk about the possible two-year NIL deal and how much NIL money Hunter Dickinson is making and how it's this big, exorbitant amount of money. And... It's hard if you're a big man nowadays to make it to the NBA unless you're like switchable or you're shooting a lot of threes and you know Hunter Dickinson's looking to work on the threes and stuff. But you see what happens last night. Trace Jackson Davis, who was, you know, first team All-American, I don't know, he was an all-big ten player, what, like three straight years, four straight years? He barely got drafted. Drew Timmy, who's gonna go down as one of the what, two or three greatest Gonzaga basketball players of all time, he'll go down as, I don't know, one of the the best basketball players or college basketball players that we've seen over the last decade or something. You know, very good college basketball player, basically. Point being, right? Multi-time All-American, all that stuff. He goes undrafted. Oscar Sheepway, won National Player of the Year two years ago. Puts up 15 and 15. He gets undrafted. If you're Hunter Dickinson and you see what happens last night, are you not just sitting there going... Man, I've got a nice little nest egg here with NIL money at Kansas. This ain't going well for some of those other good big men. Maybe I should just stick around for two years. So I, I don't know how much that does or, or how much a kid in his position actually pays attention to that or how much people in, in like Hunter Dickinson's position view themselves to just think in a confident light of like, no, but I'm different. I think there's a lot of that in the athletic world because these guys are so confident and kind of have to be with what they're asked to do and, and put under the limelight and pressure. So I can understand it both ways, but you know, from a logical standpoint, when you see that, it does kind of lead you to believe like, yeah, maybe it does make more sense. 
if he would come back for a second year. But that is a conversation for next offseason. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We've got a KU Football Friday question coming up on the other side. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN. Depend on it. This is KLWN, and uh, coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we'll get to a, another edition of Lie Detector Test. Coming up next, we've got some Bill Self audio that we'll share for you here on the show. First, though, our uh, KU Football Friday question of the day. Would you take Kansas winning nine regular season games if that meant Andy Kotelnicki leaving after the year for a head coaching position? So basically, this comes down to, right, you're, you would at that point, you don't know what's going to happen in the bowl game. So it could even be a 10-win uh, season. But basically, yeah, would you take a good enough year that would be one of the best years that you've had in, in quite some time? Would you take that trade-off for losing your superstar offensive coordinator and possibly that having an effect on you in the future by not having that guy scheming up the offense and, and calling plays and being kind of a, a mad scientist, mad, you know, uh, whatever, uh, genius type of offensive coordinator, right? I, I think this answer is clear to me. For some people, it might not be. I, I understand from the standpoint of, um, you know, if you can have... Like, basically, if you guaranteed Andy Kotelnicki sticks around for five years, five more years as offensive coordinator at Kansas, are you going to have more long-term success at that point by having him for those five years than just using it up in one year? Like, or, or like are you better off if you went 6-6 six and six this year and then you still had Andy Kotelnicki and it allowed you to have more seven, eight, nine win seasons than just the one? Probably, but... I think from an unselfish position, you want your coaches to get bigger jobs elsewhere. Now, you, from a, I don't know, team-building standpoint, you do not want your coaches taking lateral moves, right? Like, that doesn't help anyone out. Like, if, if Andy Kotelnicki became the offensive coordinator at Alabama, hypothetically, like, that would obviously be a move up for him probably get paid more, be on a bigger scale, all that sort of stuff. But that would probably sting more than seeing him be a head coach somewhere because a lot of guys do have those aspirations of wanting to be a head coach somewhere else. And so if by having a good enough season this year, Andy Kotelnicki eventually is a head coach in another school, I think that's a good thing. I mean, first of all, obviously it's a good thing because that would mean you won nine regular season games. I think you absolutely take that trade off. And you view it as, one, from an unselfish perspective, hey, somebody did something really cool for us, now they get to go chase their dreams. But beyond that, if you just won nine regular season games, you feel even better about the way that things are rolling. You feel better about the recruits that are going to be coming in probably, right? You feel better about the players, the personnel that you have on the roster that are going to keep it rolling when he's gone. You feel better that you've raised the program to a higher level that the next offensive coordinator, that the next coach you bring in, whether it's an internal hire or bringing somebody from elsewhere, is going to keep you know, the sports car running, so to speak, right? So to me, this is an absolute yes. Now, what if I change this? Would you take Kansas winning, I don't know, seven regular season games if that meant Andy Kotelnicki leaving after a year for head coaching position? Again, it's hard for me to, to, to say like no to this because – I feel like that's just rude to be like, no, you don't want him to leave. Um, but 
I'd be tempted to say no to that from the standpoint of you would hope it's an even better season for the launching pad. Now, what happens if, if Kansas ends up with like a top 10 offense in the country and the defense is just so bad that they can only win seven games and Andy Kotelinke gets a coaching job somewhere else? Like, again, you understand it. You'd be happy for him. You would wish him best moving forward. Um, and, and I do think that the more success KU has on the offensive end of the field, maybe you can do something where you tell Andy Kotelnicki, we're going to make you in writing. It's in your contract. You are the head coach in waiting. Whenever Lance Leipold's done, you'll be the next guy. Problem with that is I have seen enough of those type of contracts sort of things happen, and then the guy ends up leaving because they get to the realization point of like, man, but that could be in five years. That could be in seven years. Like I remember seeing Will Muschamp do it at Texas when he was the defensive coordinator. He got named head coach in waiting after like a couple of years as the D.C. when you know they had some good defenses. And then he realized, eh, it might be a while for Mac Brown. He eventually took, uh, I don't know, a Florida job or, or whatever he, he went over to next. Um, I, I remember seeing it in Olympic sport here in the local area where one of the assistant coaches had it in, in writing. And they ended up leaving for another Power 5 job because they weren't sure how long and, and shoot, it's been like a handful of years since then. So, you know, I... It could be something that could help KU, and, and you want to retain Andy Kolnick as long as possible because he is a really good offensive coordinator and would help you. But if your options are, do you take the one good season that could leave him at risk of leaving? You absolutely do because that would be his dreams. And also at the same point in time, you take the really good year for both the impact it would have on helping you have better years in the future and also the great memories that it would create in that one specific year. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. That's our KU Football Friday question of the day. We've got some Bill Self audio post the NBA draft. We'll share that with you on the other side. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN. We're going to have a uh, fun draft coming up later this hour. Also some news on uh, transfer portal guys that uh, are hitting the portal from West Virginia. And we'll also get into how exactly it could look or what the fit exactly would be with Hunter Dickinson. We'll also give an update. Uh, Travis Goff has been on uh, Twitter uh, kind of clarifying some of the stuff from yesterday with the LJ World article about some of the stadium renovations and, and the possible parts of it, which... Uh, I'll just say this now. We'll we'll talk more about that coming up later on because there there's some ensuring uh, things, I guess you would say the least, that, that Travis Goff talked about. Um, but while I, I'm sure there were some people when the, the renderings first came out yesterday were probably like, uh, no need to make too big of a fuss over this because it's just the first rendering. And I do sort of agree with that. At the same point in time, though, if you don't make it known that you don't like the first rendering, what's to stop KU from just being like, oh, see, everybody likes it. Let's just do that. You know, it is important to let your voice be heard in that way. Okay, with that being said, let's get on to a uh, another edition of Lie Detector Test here where we discuss if we think this person is lying or not. A lot of liars in the sports landscape is what uh, you'll, you'll find out from, uh, I guess, all of this. Or at least maybe that just means I'm a cynical person. Maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of a number of a B on that one. Okay, first up is Mike Dunleavy Jr., which, first of all, very weird. Uh, Mike Dunleavy Jr., to begin with, being a GM in, in the NBA is just weird. It doesn't feel like that long ago that he was making three-pointers at Duke and then playing in the NBA. 
So uh, this one isn't really even up for debate. This just kind of is a lie. Uh, we just wanted to lead off this way with lie detector test. This was him talking about Jordan Poole. We love having those guys here. Jordan, especially with his contract extension, uh, plan to have him here for four more years at least. Okay, we love having him having him here. He was also talking about Jonathan Kaminga, so that was the, the wee part of it. Uh, he'll be here for four more years at least. And then the next day, Jordan Poole was traded to the Washington Wizards for Chris Paul. Uh, that sounded like, to me, it ended up being more of like, oh, yeah, we're just kind of stuck with having him for the four years. But, you know, it, it just, you know, that that's the perfect example of this, that we just get lied to all the time. <laughs> and uh, there's a uh, perfect thing with that. Okay, Sham Sharania, who is... The reporter for, I don't know technically who he's working with now. I know for a brief bit it was like Yahoo and then Stadium. I, I guess technically maybe it is just FanDuel now. Um, so anyway, this is what happened yesterday. Coming into the day, Brandon Miller was seen as the odds-on favorite to go second in the NBA draft. So much so that Brandon Miller had worked to being like minus 700 on odds to be the second pick in the NBA draft, that it was very heavily favored. He was going to be picked number two. Sham Sharania tweets out something over the course of yesterday afternoon that the Hornets are basically like zeroing in on Scoot Henderson and that Scoot Henderson is going to be the second pick. All of a sudden, the betting markets adjust and all of a sudden, Scoot Henderson flipped to being minus 750 to be taken with the second pick. So you have this guy, Brandon Miller, who was supposed to be the second pick. Everybody is betting on him. Now the odds are bad because, you know, Vegas doesn't want you to bet on him. And now everybody has put their money into Scoot Henderson to cause it to be to a point where, like, Vegas is like, we can't take any more bets on Scoot Henderson, right? Well, here's the problem. Sham Sharania works for, is paid by... FanDuel. They have like the FanDuel TV. In the end, you know who went pick number two? It was Brandon Miller. Woj kind of dunked on him on Twitter for uh, doing this. But now looking back, here is why Sham Sharania is on lie detector test. Did Sham Sharania have full knowledge that it was going to be Brandon Miller at pick number two? And because his employee FanDuel did something, he basically threw people's scent off and got FanDuel a bunch of money with people betting on Scoot Henderson. And if so, I don't even know that I'm going to declare this one a lie or not because this is not one of those where it's just like, oh, ha, 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 this guy was probably funny or, or like lying about this or embellishing this or he was protecting his play or whatever. This is legitimately one where if Shams Sharania knew what he was doing and he was helping out his employer FanDuel make a bunch of money on this that ended up being not true. I mean, that is like insider trading, is it not? Like that is that is a serious problem. I would not be surprised if at some point here these because we're we're still all these like gambling companies that are partnering up with these sports leagues, we're still kind of treading on new ground here. I feel like there's going to have to be a rule pretty soon here about guys that are reporters that are linked up with these actual, that are being paid by these actual, you know, site like champs. You can't talk about who's supposed to go here or there now. Like if that, that's part of the deal. If you're going to work for FanDuel, if you're going to be employed by FanDuel, you cannot do that because it comes across when it's wrong. Like he could have just been wrong. 
Not usually wrong on that stuff, which does make it seem like he is lying, but it's also possible that he just screwed a bunch of people over. So, yeah, that's not cool. Okay, uh, this one from Cole Welliver or Yukon. One of the two, I guess, could be up for debate here. Cole Welliver is a six foot six quarterback in the class of 2024. He actually committed to Connecticut like a week or two ago and became the highest rated recruit in the Jim Mora era for UConn. Um, so, you know, big deal for them, yada, yada, yada. Well, here's the importance of this. Welliver, according to the Hartford Current, said that the idea of UConn moving to the Big 12 was brought up on the visit. They were talking, this is a direct quote from him, they were talking about the Big 12 and moving on, or moving to the Big 12, saying how if it does go through, how such a big deal that would be for all the players and the school. So two people up for, or I guess an institution and a person up for grabs here on Lie Detector Test. First of all, Cole Welliver, would he be lying about that just to get attention? I don't think there's any way he would lie about that. Why would a why would a kid who was who just committed to the school doesn't want to upset them? Like if you did lie about this, like, wouldn't that make the school like be maybe like, hey, we're gonna pull your scholarship? Like, why would you lie about that, right? Uh, so clearly he's not lying. Is UConn lying? Is UConn taking advantage of the hubbub and hype that, oh, maybe there could be some some meaning of the Big 12 in UConn and taking advantage of that in football? Or could UConn be honest here? I, I actually don't think this is a lie. I think now maybe there's some embellishing here. So maybe that does make it a little bit to where maybe UConn knows that there is a chance they make the Big 12, but it's not like a for sure thing. And so they're embellishing it a bit that they're being like, oh, yeah, we're going to be in the Big 12, of course. It's going to be awesome, right? Even though they might know it's more of like a 50-50 type of proposition. But I do think it is very much a possibility, even though, oddly enough, I'm not like a huge fan of the UConn to the Big 12 thing. I, I'm just not. I know they would add a lot in basketball, but like part of the reason they left the American Athletic Conference, it just wasn't working geographically. They headed back to the Big East, and it's worked better for them there. I feel like it's just better for all parties involved, but, you know. I know there's money involved, and, and that ends up being the uh, underlying denominator in, in all this stuff. Uh, John Morant's camp is on the lie detector test. This is not like an actual like, campground that he has, although that would be kind of funny. Um, John Morant's camp feels as though NBA media is out to get them. That was a real headline. This goes back in line with the... You know, guy in the hot dog suit crashes the... If anybody actually, like, I, I feel like a lot of people have seen that meme, but they haven't actually seen the the skit in uh, I Think You Need to Leave, where he, he crashes a hot dog-shaped car into a building, and then he's the only one there wearing a hot dog suit, and that's where the meme comes up of, like, we're all trying to figure out which person did this, right? That's this right here. What is with the Memphis Grizzlies players doing this, too? You think they just work themselves up in, in the locker room among themselves being like, oh, the media is just out to get us. Again, you are the one. Nobody forced you to pull out your gun multiple times on an Instagram live. Like what? Like John Morant, from the day he got drafted and started playing with the Grizzlies for just his on-court stuff before the, the Instagram live stuff happened, has been one of the more like beloved NBA players for his fearlessness, for his attacking of the basket, for his dunks and, and just his awesome style of play. He's been a really fun player to watch on a Grizzlies team that was just kind of this like gritty, young, kind of fun team a couple years ago, a year ago. 
and emerged into being like a, a real top four team in the West. This is not this is not a, a thing to go out and get John Morant. This is John Morant's making mistakes, and so people are talking about it. This is only going to make it worse. And again, these are self-inflicted mistakes. This is not the media going out of their way to, you know, uncover something in John Morant's life that should have been private, right? You went on Instagram Live yourself with guns. What are you doing? So, yes, that is clear. Well, their camp might not think it's a lie, but this also goes in line with part of the thing with John Morant is there's been a lot of talk that he's hanging out with the wrong people. That's what his camp thinks. Kind of tells you you're still hanging out with the wrong people, right? Because at that point, that's telling you your camp is not saying, hey, we need to get better. We need to get help. We need to not do this or that. They're saying, oh, this isn't your fault. It's everybody else's fault. And that's kind of bad. I mean, that's very bad for somebody who's, who's trying to become kind of a better human. Like, can't really have that happen. So uh, it is a lie, but honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't think it is a lie. Uh, Victor Wembenyama was uh, doing an interview with J.J. Redick on, on his podcast, and he was asked about bulking up. Obviously, he's seven foot four, but he's kind of a skinnier guy. He was asked about bulking up. His response, why? What for? You should tell others to skinny up. Okay, so is Victor Wembenyama lying here? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think he believes this. And maybe there is something to it of being nimble and flexible. Is that going to help you get through the season? I don't know, man. I think there is. I, why would you not bulk up a little bit, man? You're, you're very. I mean, there are times where you get back down in the post and just kind of demolished underneath the rim. Now, maybe there are certain guys where if we're just looking at the last part, you should tell others to skinny up. You know, maybe there are certain guys that, that could get better with it. But do you think do you think Nikola Jokic would be better if he skinnied up? I don't think he would. I think he needs the the kind of power, right? I don't know. Maybe there's somebody you could point at. Like if Luka Doncic was just in unbelievable shape and skinny. But then again, he kind of uses that power too to like get to the rim. So I, I don't know, man. Um, no, I don't think he believes this is a lie though. And I, I think this is just kind of to each their own. I don't know that it's a lie overall. Like do whatever's best for you. Uh, Brandon Miller, over the course of the draft process, he was asked who the greatest of all time was, and that was kind of in relation. He's working out with the Hornets. Michael Jordan's there. Um, and he was like, well, Michael Jordan's not my go. And then, you know, because he was asked about Michael Jordan and LeBron, which why are we doing this to NBA prospects? It's so dumb. Anyway, he said his goat was Paul George, which I'm like sitting there. <laughs> How do you get to that point? How do we get to that point? Paul George never won an MVP. Now, the year that Paul George like broke out with the Pacers and they made the conference finals, everybody was like, oh, this guy's going to be the next great thing. Like, he's he's great. Did anybody in that series actually be like, oh, he's better than LeBron, though? I, was there ever a moment that Paul George was a top five player? Maybe that was the moment. I don't know, man. Um, I don't I don't even feel like I need to argue this or, or explain why this is stupid. Clearly, for Brandon Miller, this is not a lie. But overall, yes, this is very much a lie. Again, I, I don't even need to go through the statistics or the awards or the all-time legacy to talk about why Paul George is not the greatest player of all time. Uh, you know the answer to that, and uh, maybe one day Brandon Miller will know too. Lie detector test from Rob Manfred, the commissioner of the MLB. Quote, I'm not sure that I would have approached it with giving players immunity. Manfred told Time Magazine, which published an interview on Wednesday in regards to giving the Astros players immunity back when they were investigating the team. 
He said, once we gave players immunity, it puts you in a box as to what exactly you were going to do in terms of punishment. I mean, who could have seen that backfire? Like, I, I don't know. I feel like you could have probably could have known that in hindsight. Maybe like it is interesting looking back if they wouldn't have given the players immunity. Like how long would have players gotten suspended for? Right? Like, what if a player would have got, like, what if Jose Altuve would have got suspended for, like, an entire season? You know? Um, I do think this is an honest comment. No reason to lie here. But probably should have thought more to this at the moment. I don't know. Just my take. Uh, Cason Wallace got drafted 10th overall. Ended up going to the Oklahoma City Thunder. He was asked about, like, just living in Oklahoma, basically. Here's what he had to say. Uh, I definitely, I definitely will be fine in Oklahoma. It's not much to do, but it lets you, it lets you stay focused. Um, that's the main goal. And I feel like I was out there for a workout, and I have been to a game before, so I'm perfectly fine with being in Oklahoma. Okay, I'm perfectly fine with being in Oklahoma. It'll be fine out there, right? Now there are two different ways of saying fine. There are some people where they say fine, and they actually are fine. There are other people who say fine, and it basically means that it is not fine. Inside, I am dying, right? Which of those is Case and Wallace? I I get the sense that it's actually the first one. It's like, yeah, it's just fine. Like, I don't don't really care. Like, I'm just going to play NBA basketball, and uh, I'm just going to, you know, hoop and whatever. A little disrespectful to Oklahoma City, man. I actually like Oklahoma City for what it's worth. Um, I've had some good times going down there and uh, going with friends and stuff. But, you know, um... I do think it's funny because it's like Oklahoma City. Like, how different is it going to be than like Lexington, Kentucky? You know what I mean? I actually do have a theory that this idea that we're like, oh, there's so much more to do in this city than that city. It really comes down to one thing. It's like, do you have a beach? That's usually the one thing. Think about it. Like, if if you're in Los Angeles versus being in some big city in like the Midwest... Both places are going to have good uh, restaurants, good places to go. It might be different types of food. It might be some places have better of this type of food or that type of food. But for the most part, you're going to have good restaurants. For the most part, there's going to be some good bars to go to. For the most part, there's going to be entertainment. You're going to be able to go see movies. Most of the stuff is pretty much the same, even if it's not like carbon copies. One difference just tends to be like, oh, we can just be outside all the time or go to the beach. Um, But anyway, I don't know. Uh... Is he lying that he's actually fine, though? I guess is, is what this boils down to for Gason Wallace. I, I think he is fine. I don't think he really cares. Um, yeah, whatever. He seems like a focused like basketball-playing person. Okay, uh, Mitch Kupchak is the uh, GM or runs the team, whatever, for the Charlotte Hornets, whatever his title is. Here's what he had to say on why Brandon Miller with the second pick. Well, everything that we, you know, every answer they got, we got to every, every question. You know, I, I would say, you know, he, he is a freshman, right? So, you know, he's a little bit, you know, I would say younger than, um, excuse me, I wouldn't say younger. Nah, I better not even go, go in that direction, actually. I'll just better go off. Okay, and I, I, I framed that poorly. The, the real question was, why are you comfortable with Brandon Miller? Which I believe is in response to the off-the-court stuff that went on. What was that answer from Mitch Kupchak? 
I, I feel like I should play that again uh, so you, you know that context. Again, listen, this is on why he felt comfortable with Brandon Miller with, uh, again, assumedly the off-the-court stuff. Well, everything that we, you know, every answer they got, we got to every, every question. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, he, he is a freshman, right? So, you know, he's a little bit, you know, I would say younger than... Um, See, but I wouldn't say younger. Nah, I bet not even go, go in that direction, actually. I'll just better go off. What the heck is he talking about? How is this guy running a basketball team? That's the guy you're going to send up there to answer those questions? Yeesh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what that was all about. All right, we got to take a timeout. This is RCST on KLWN, some Transfer Portal news next with uh, Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh, we like to draft things, especially during the summer when there's not a lot going on. We do like drafting things. Last week, Nick came out with the opening victory. He, uh, what, what did we draft last week? Um, we food drafted mascots. The food, food mascots. mascots. Yeah. yeah. And Twitter, social media said yep. that I won. Uh, which I disagree so with. I had a sucks. literal sun and a giant. But that's okay. Nope, you're trash. You're garbage. I think enough. I think you had the more likable team. And people were like, oh, I know the Hamburglar. Oh, I know this. <laughs> so uh, maybe I'll pander more of my picks this this go around. Ooh. Uh, but no, don't in all pander. honesty, I don't, who cares? Okay. Yeah, don't pander. No, no. There's no fun. It, it's not like we're doing this for like real money or anything. Okay, so nonetheless, uh, what we decided to draft today, we're going to do another basketball draft. We'll do some football drafts along the way, too. And if you have anything that you want us to draft, you think would be fun to draft. Yeah, hit us up. To listen to, yeah, hit us up. At RCST1320 or, or any way you can get a hold of us. Um, but today... If we Listen, we are degenerates. We yes, don't draft anything. Draft. You, you tell Literally us, we will anything. figure it out. Yes. Right. Um, now, it has to be... It can't be like inanimate objects. You can't play basketball <laughs> with an inanimate object, right? And there is a level of hypotheticalness here. You know, don't be the person who's like... Oh, this thing would kill that thing. You know, like, we don't need to go there. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we have both seen the TV show series, Breaking Bad, yep, and, and its spinoff yep. series, Better I feel Call like Saul. it's been long enough with Breaking Bad that most people have seen it and or know yes. the characters involved. Well, at least it's it's in the pop culture lexicon that yes. you released. Yeah, like, yes. you know who Walter White is. Yes. Yeah, You might have never seen the show. Yes. It's like you might never see Star Wars, but you're going to understand the quote, Luke, you are my father. Yes. You know what I mean? And you'll know Darth Vader. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wait, is, that, is that even the right quote? Or, I, yeah, I definitely messed that up. Luke, wow. you are my father. Could you imagine? Luke is actually Darth Vader's wow. father. Wow. No, uh, Luke, I am your father. Wow. That was a mess up. Dude, that's that's my biggest thing. I, I am so you bad at like, memorizing quotes yep. and sayings. They're guaranteed to be wrong. Yeah, you, you mess up that stuff All the time. And just roll with it, you know? Nobody's perfect. Okay, um, so anyway, we're going to draft a basketball team of five. Put it together however you want. You have to draft the head coach as well. I picked first last time, so we're just going to go from here rotating. That means you will pick first this time. Who's your pick? Okay, so you and I were having a discussion off air <laughs> about a particular character that we both think mm-hmm. could be a well, I just said from a to a good team. From a, like, size perspective. From a, yes. like... Because yes. it, it's also most of the characters in the show yeah, are they're not normal that size. Big. They're normal size, right? Yes. Yeah, normal size. But there people. is one guy. Yes. There is one person who could undeniably mm-hmm. play the center position and play it well. Well, maybe potentially. Well, he has the size for it. He does have the size for it. 
talking about one Mr. Huel Babbitt. That is correct. Is that who you're taking? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. So here's my... Here's what? My, well, I, I won't tell you because if you take him, then I'll tell you the negatives. If I take him, I don't want to talk about Well, the negatives, the negatives are obvious. The negatives is that he's really slow and yep. he, might run out of, he might run out of breath after like two plays. Yeah, he always in the show is like deemed as being very lazy. Yeah. And like he's falling asleep. So like is how he that many minutes are you going to get? Yeah, is he that great of a defender? At the same really point in time, though, he also in the... in the We learn in the Better Call Saul but he, show... Yeah, he's pretty... He's, he's nimble. Yeah, he's got, he's quick got hands, the of hand. Right? Yes. Yes. I think I'm going to... thief? I think... Because here's the deal. If if I take him, then I am like... My center position is locked. Yeah. And then I don't have to worry about it at all. And I think that's I think that's what I need to do. Okay. I think I'm going to take him. He'll Babineau. Mr. Yeah, he'll Babineau. He was, he was my number one center. Six, I, I just five, didn't know... 400 pounds. <laughs> I mean, just a mammoth of a mammoth man. Mammoth of a man. Absolutely. Now, my big question, too, he is from, uh, I'm pretty sure in the show they say he's from Louisiana. Is he more of a football guy than a basketball guy? Hmm. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. I think it's a good pick, though. Yeah, I think so, too. All right, I have back-to-back picks. Um, see, so this is tough. That, I, there really is not, because, like you said, everybody is, like, normal size, you know. Yeah. I don't yeah. think there's a very clear, like, this is one of those drafts where I don't think there's really that much separation between maybe, like, pick, like, two I, and eight. You I, know think what there, I, mean? I think there could be. You yeah. think there is? I think there could be, yeah, depending okay. on who you go with. Okay. So, I'm going to go with a, uh, this is might be a bit of a pander pick, but I could actually see him being good at basketball. Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, that's a good pick, I think. I'm taking him. I'm going to put him at a, for now, shooting guard. Maybe we'll slide he him up to the be, point guard. Yeah, he's probably more point guard. He could be. I don't know. I'll just have him as guard for now. But he, I mean, he's a younger guy. He's got for, although low-key, like Aaron Paul is actually way older than you think he is. Really? Um. Yeah, yeah. The actor who plays Jesse Pinkman, Aaron Paul, like, I want to say he's like, he's 43. He's 43 right now. Wow. That's, now, that's, that's right uh, now that's, when he was yeah, recording. I mean, but when, yeah. when he was doing the, the show, show. came out like 15 years ago. Yeah, but in the show, he's like supposed to be in his like 20 or early 20s, right? Mid-20s? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably about mid He was probably like in his mid to late 30s probably when he was recording it. Mid-20s. Yeah, so that was interesting. I know, he's, if he's 43 right now, this show mm-hmm. came out like 10, 15 years ago. So he would have been like so. in his 30s. Yeah. Late, early 30s. But I guess with Jesse, I could see him being like a good shooter. Um, I could see him being very flashy with like his dribble moves. So I'm going to go with him. And then, uh, see, this is where it gets tough for me. I don't have a clear and obvious. I really want to take this guy because I'm afraid you're going to take him, but I don't know what position you're going to take him at. Um, am I allowed to take the Salamanca twins as a set? No. Why? Because. They're always together. Well, because that that's not fair because then it's six on five. Well, that's part of the beauty. Or maybe, no, I think if you take them as a set, you just one of them is your six. No, man. that's not fair. One of them is your I six. I want both of them. They get no. to be on the court together. They're always doing everything together. Okay, well, then take them both. No, you have I to can't, take I them can't. both with two no, separate picks. No. You have to take them both with two separate picks. That's not fair. It's very fair. Um, Either either you take them both with one pick and it's one of your, your six man, or you have to take them both, but you have to use two picks. Okay. I'm almost tempted to take a head coach. But there's some really good head coaches. I think there are, th- <laughs> I have three good head coach options that I think there's enough depth there. So I mean, I could do that. Could get my center because I don't really know who else I would put at center. Um, man, this is tough. I'm sorry. I, you know, what? I'm gonna actually yeah, go dude, point guard. Shot here. clock. Uh, okay, Nacho Varga. I'm uh, gonna play him at point guard. He, I, he was on my list. Okay, I, I think he, he, uh, I don't know. He seems like he's like unselfish enough to where he could pass the rock. He uh, seems to be in good shape and everything. Seems like a guy to me. I don't know. He just seems like he'd be good at basketball. I guess he looks like you know in good shape and everything. Um. He he can be tenacious when tenacious when he wants to. He can uh, I don't know be cunning in certain ways. So yes. I'll, I'll play him at point guard. Okay. So now I have two picks, right? Yes. All right. With my first pick, 
I'm taking Tuco Salamanca. Mm -hmm. Okay. Forward, I'm guessing. Which no, 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 no. Oh. He's gonna be my. He's gonna be one of my guards because he's a shorter guy. You know, yeah, you know which but, one I'm I talking mean, about, Tuco, right? The guy that I know who in, Tuco is. Yeah, in Breaking Bad, yeah, where he's big like brute of a guy, though. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he, which one? What? No. Tuco? That's the he's shorter like guy. Everybody up. Yeah, but he's not that big. Okay, I know he's not that big, but I'm just saying, like so his style of play. I put him at my guard, and then he's just a he's just a, a, a on a rampage. He's just he's gonna be the guy that's gonna so be I like. I think this is a bad pick. He's gonna be the guy that's picking you up like three quarter court and just harassing. I think this is a bad time. pick because one, you're misusing him. Two, I'm not misusing dude, him. Dude, Tuco's gonna get so many technicals. <laughs> he's gonna foul out. He's gonna get ejected. He has he has anger issues. <laughs> What are you doing here? That's that, that, no, that makes you think a great defense. The, no. If I get the right coach with him, it'll oh be fine. Oh, my gosh. No. If I get the right coach with him, it'll be fine. No. I'm telling you. Horrible Dude, pick. this guy's going to be the best defender on the floor. Easily. Mm -hmm. uh, until he fouls out in Easily the first five the minutes. Easily the best player on the floor. Okay. My next pick, I'm going to go with my power forward here. Howard Hamlin. Okay. He's my power forward. Here's why. If you watch the shows... He is always doing something athletic, and he's he's involved in a lot of athletic stuff. He's a bigger guy. Think about it. What do lawyers do when they're not lawyering? They go play sports, play golf. Stuff. So I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be reliable as a power forward. So I, uh, I I again I think you're misusing it here. I think if you put Howard Hamlin at the three and Tuco at the four, I would like that better. But you know that's Tuco's your decision. Tuco's not tall enough. He can be a bowling ball guy, and also like we said earlier, no, there's not really that many tall people. Like this isn't a six-two guy going against a six-ten okay, guy. Fine. You know? All right. Okay. Well, I was just thinking. Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But you okay, put I, I do actually. I actually had Howard Ham How Howard Hamlin as my number one available at this point after Jesse, uh, like guard slash wing type, to where because Howard, if you remember in the uh, Better Call Saul, he boxes. Yes. So he's got That's some athleticism. That's yeah. what I'm saying. If you watch the Smart shows, guy. yeah. If you watch the shows, he's always doing athletic mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, very cerebral player. I think he would be great. All right, I'm I'll, gonna... I'll put him at the. I don't know. I Tuco's short, man. I don't think I can okay. put him at power. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Okay, so I don't know for center. There's a couple options just in terms of being stockier. Like, um, I could go with like Hank Schrader, for instance, at center. Right. Yeah. He's still gonna get dwarfed a bit by Huell. But I think he could hold his own. I'm tempted to take that. But I want to go with the guy who's cunning, who's skilled. If I'm giving up size, I want somebody who's definitely strong, but you know he's going to be able to figure himself out. Like, he might be able to frustrate the opposition, get him into foul trouble. He might be able to, you know, do little things that the ref doesn't notice. Uh, just somebody who's smart and a veteran player. I'm taking Mike Ehrman Trout as my center. Is Thoughts? there any issue, any concern with injury due to age? And just being old, <laughs> of course there is, yeah. But in this I hypothetical, had a, it's one. I game. had another. I, I got to make it through eighty-two games. My to me, the the second pick for center was another older guy, Cliff Main. I think would have been oh. good at center. Yeah, he's like been six, good. six. He's tall, yeah, yeah. But again, he's old and he also, he's skinny. He might get bodied. I don't might, get you know. I don't get the like like with Mike. He can get down and dirty. Clifford Main. Yeah, kind yeah. of weakling, you know. Yeah. I, don't well, know. I don't know if he's a weakling, but yeah. no, I know what you mean. He's definitely. Okay, no, I, so got, I got I got Mike. That. I'm playing him at center, and then. Hmm. I really want this guy on my draft board, but I don't know if you're going to take him. But you know what? No, I'm doing it anyway. I I think this is a really good pick. Uh, we saw his 
athleticism in a lot of different scenes. He's just an outright killer. Lalo Salamanca. Uh, that was going to be my next pick. Okay, so I'm glad yeah. I just took him there. I'm going to put him on the wing. excellent three. Yep, I'm putting him at the three. I think he's like the best prototypical three maybe out there. We've seen some of his athleticism with like running to places and jumping yep. things. Yep. Yep. Um, we've seen his ability to just be like brutal and just like beat guys up. Yep. He's obviously very, very smart and cunning and thinks ahead. I think this is a great pick at the three. And I think... Uh, right now, you have Tuco at the three. I have Lalo at the three. I like my Salamanca better than yours. I don't know if I'd go that far. Mm. But. Lalo is going listen. to outsmart Tuco and get him to draw that, multiple technicals and get ejected. Be, that could be true. <laughs> that, that could be true. All right, you have two straight. All right. This is where things get interesting. It's where men are made. Yeah. Oh. Okay, here's what I'm actually going to do. I want Howard. Yeah, okay. I, I forgot about this too. There's another guy that I think would be a good four. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put Howard Hamlet at three. Okay. I'm gonna move Tuco's Tuco playing two? To the... Oh, he's uh, two, Co. Yeah. Again, <laughs> I think you... I, I mean, no, I don't fine. know if you have to show. Your team. He's like 5'9". He's not tall uh, yeah, at all. Again, I mean, how tall is Lalo? 5'10"? He's taller than Tuco. That's Maybe. for sure. Okay. But in terms of height, another good pick, I think, here for power forward. But I don't know. He's kind of weaselly. So now I'm second-guessing myself. By the way, I'm looking online. It says he's six feet tall. Who? Tuco. What about Lalo? I don't know. Anyway, who's your pick? Well, again, I'm thinking about taking this guy at the four, but uh, now... Lalo's 5'11". Wow, Tuco's taller? Yep. Well, that changes. All right, maybe I, maybe I should put Tuco back at the four. <laughs> oh, gosh. Just draft someone. <laughs> All right, hang on. I'm looking... Uh, if you don't pick in the next uh, five seconds, I'm giving you Marie Schrader. You know, I'm just gonna take Saul Goodman. Why <laughs> okay. not? As he's gonna be one of my guards. Okay. He seems like he might be a good a good ball handler. Okay, I but think. here, so here, here, I have a question for you. Saul is obviously somebody who he's very flashy. Are you worried there's gonna be like too many turnovers that he's gonna get too cute with it? No, because I mean, if he if he can toss dimes, he can toss dimes. But are you also concerned because he does he's not. He doesn't come and across as the most like. There's nobody. Be- this dude's name was Slippin' Jimmy. There's nobody better at at flopping and drawing sure. charges. Yeah, than oh, Saul yeah. Goodman. He's gonna draw a lot of. T- he's gonna be Marcus Smart. Yes, he's gonna be Marcus 100%. Smart on defense. Yes. But my worry is the offense. He'll be. He'll have too many turnovers, and also that. I don't think if he's your point turnovers. guard. He is not somebody who's very giving. He's he's a little selfish. Well, that's why I think I might make him shooting guard. Okay. All right. So we'll wait and see with your team. You do have another pick. Yikes, man! I don't know. See, what so I actually. I actually thought about making Saul a head coach. Because no, he's very, because I think to your he point get, on the slipping Jimmy thing. Get, I think he would get Tex as a head coach. Probably. That's if a good point. If you got the wrong set of refs, he's getting Tex. Well, I think he's going to get Tex as a player. There's, you are team technical. There's a, there's you have Saul better, Goodman and Tuco Salamanca. There's a lot better coaches out there. And then Howard's going to try to argue his way like legally in a, in a composed way to the ref, <laughs> and they're just going to get annoyed by it and give you another okay, Tex. I don't think you're going to take him. The guy that I think would be good at the four, potentially, is Bill Oakley. Oh, okay. The guy played by Bill Burr, right? Yeah. Is it Bill Burr who plays him? No, I don't. There's just a guy that looks like Bill it's Burr. It's just a guy that looks like him. No. Uh, but he's tall. But again, he's kind of weaselly. So that's why I'm hesitant. Oh, never mind. I was thinking of, uh, okay, I, I see. But the, his, his I don't know if I'd call him lawyer friend, but lawyer acquaintance. Yeah, the from guy the, that's a lawyer. Back in the, I was thinking of, uh, what's the name of the, is it Bill Burr? Uh, I don't know the character name, though. Who He's one of, like, with Huel. He's one of... Uh, Saul Goodman's like other guys who helps him with stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? He's like a redhead guy. Uh oh, you're talking about the film guy? 
He helps the nerdy like, film dude. Like in, no, 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 no. There's no. the tall blonde. Kid. I know who you're talking about. No, it, it's it's he's honestly used more in Breaking Bad. Actually, I don't even know if he is in Better Call Saul. Um, he's in Breaking Bad. Like he helps with the car wash thing and, and helping him sell it. I don't know. I'll figure I, it out. Yeah, I I think I know who you're talking about, but I can't picture him. Mm-hmm. So I think Bill Oakley, the lo- the other lawyer guy, would be a good power forward because of his height and length. Patrick Kuby. Kuby. That's the name of the character. Yeah, it is Bill Burr. Okay. So, I still have another pick, right? Yeah. So, if I get, if I take Bill Oakley as my power forward, I feel like I've got certifiably significant height advantage across the board, to be honest. You know what? I'll do it. Bill Oakley. Horrible pick. I think that's a bad pick. I don't know why. I just don't like it. I don't like it. He wasn't on my draft board. Well, that's why you don't like it, because you <laughs> think he, yeah, of course he wouldn't like it. Yeah. All right. I got two picks to finish things up here. Um, so, I have three guards. I need a, a power forward. Um, I'm, oh man, this is tough. I'm really between three guys. <laughs> and you don't need a player, so I can just say all of them because you can't take yeah, one. For I mean, you could for head coach, but I don't really care. Badger, his friend, he's tall. I don't remember who that is. Uh, he's one of Jesse's friends. He's oh. got like the curly hair. Is he the guy that hangs out with uh, the, the other weird skinny guy? Skinny Pete. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Skinny Pete and Badger, man. <laughs> um, Badger's tall, dude. But also, I, I don't know. He's not the smartest guy in the show, you know? Is he going to pick up the coaching scheme? Yeah, you I might don't know run, if trust if him. If you try to run some set plays, you might have problems. Might be a problem, right? And, and him and Mike might get in trouble as the front court. Or, like, might get mad at each other. Mike will get mad yeah. at Badger in yeah, the front sure. court. He'll be like, yeah. why are you not doing no, I this? I think Mike you know? has a chance to be, like, a, a kind of a, a culture suck. Because if everybody else is playing badly, then he's just going to be like, Why are you not oh, doing I'm this? Oh, I'm grumpy. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Okay. I uh, could take Hank Schrader, play him at the power forward. That, I think that would be probably your best pick. I think honest. that would be good. And then I, I could take one of the Salamanca twins. I think Hank Schrader is probably your best pick, honestly. I think the problem with taking the, Hall- the Salamanca twins is that, like, I don't know which one I would take, and I don't think it really matters. I, don't I am going to what Hank their names. I don't even know what their names are. Uh, it, I saw one. I, it was like Lionel and uh, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, they, they don't really talk. But now much. we both need a coach. So I am going to go Hank Schrader. Um, I think there's a couple good coach options. Yeah, so I have two left because, as I said, Saul Goodman was one of mine. I think it's pretty clearly Gustavo Fringer, Walter White. For coaches? Yes. There's a third in there. There is a third? I think there's a third. And pretty, so, a pretty clear so third. So, see, actually. I don't know where to go with this because, in, in, in theory, my first thought was Gustavo Fring's the better coach. But I then again, agree. Walter White bests him, technically, <laughs> and ends up, you know, blow- <laughs> well, I don't want to spoil anything, I guess. Um... <laughs> Can I spoil that? Whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, the show came out 15 years ago. So, but, so, but okay, here's know. my thing. With Walter White, I feel like he's going to be the coach who, like, if you don't do something Walter exactly White, right yeah, the way I he wants Walter it to, he's going to lose it. in serious danger of also being, like, a Bob Knight type coach where he's, yeah. throwing, where he's throwing chairs on the floor. Yeah. I think Gustavo Fring will be more calm in the moment. Yep. yep. I'm yep. going to go to Gustavo Fring. rip you apart once he gets to the locker room. Yep. Gustavo Fring for my head coach. Okay. The other, the other coach that you were not thinking of. Okay. That I will tell you right now is I can't remember what is I actually can't remember what his name is. What's the name of the uh, the number one cartel guy? Don Julio, Don Roberto. Uh, Don. Well, there's there's uh, Bolsa, which is no, no, not that guy. I'm talking about uh, the number one guy. Uh, what is his name? Don something. Eladio, Eladio, Don Eladio. I think he is actually the number one pick for head coach. 
He's got the most experience by far of head coaching out of anybody. He's kind of lazy, though. He just sits there, sits in his pool. That's, all he, needs. That's all he needs to do. How's that going to help him as a head coach? That's all he needs to do. Okay. Let's go with Donald Audio. All right. That's Why fine. not? All right. I just, I just, I think Walter White is too much of a, too much of a liability. It is very funny though that literally the main character of one of these shows did not get taken, you know. <laughs> but you can't have him as a player. He has lung cancer. He's not going to make it yeah. up and down the court four yeah. times, you know. I don't. And I don't. I don't. I just don't think. I mean, unless you have the perfect team, I don't yeah. think he's a good coach. No, I, I don't think so either. Um, okay, so your team, your head coach, Don Eladio, your point guard is Saul Goodman. Or did you? Yeah, I think he'll be my point guard. Okay, shooting Tuco guard Tuco yep. Salamanca, uh, small forward Howard Hamlin. Power forward, Bill Oakley, and center, Huel Babineau. My head coach is Gustavo Fring. My point guard, Nacho Varga. My Jesse, my uh, shooting guard is Jesse Pinkman. <laughs> my uh, small forward is Lalo Salamanca. My power forward is Hank Schrader. And my center is Mike Ehrmantraut. I think I demolished this draft. If what? I lose this no. draft, I'm, I'm telling you this, if I lose this draft Dude, on Twitter. I have way more height and size. That and didn't matter for me I've last got, draft. I've got better shooting. You have one guy who's bigger than me. I have, I have better two guys. I have the better guards. I have two guys I, that are this bigger is than clearly you. me. I, have I will say this: significant size advantage. If I lose this draft on Twitter, significant size advantage. If I lose this Howard draft, Howard Hamlin is a better shooter than Lalo for sure. Saul Goodman mm. is a great passer, and Tuco mm. is just the dog of the team. If I lose this draft on Twitter, I'm going to immediately start thinking it's rigged and that you're doing something to doctor the results. How is that even possible? That is what I'm going to think if I no, lose this draft. No, you just that, suck. That's how confident. And my I am. team's better. Uh, do you have any honorable mentions? Anybody that that you wanted to? That could have been uh, okay. drafted on your I, draft board. Okay. I was actually a bit intrigued by the idea of Kim Wexler as a shooting guard. I actually, like yeah, a, I had in her in the corner guard. as like a corner three point shooter. Uh, she's tenacious. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I had Skinny Pete on there as a possibility. Uh, let's see. I had uh, Gomi, Steve Gomez as a yeah, point guard. He's Gomez. unselfish. Yep. Gomez was a guy that I was looking at as well. Um, Todd uh, Alquist, I had as a guard, but I did, wrote in parentheses he will 100% mess something up in a big way. Did Kevin, the the big uh, bank guy, do anything for you as oh. like a power forward center? Kevin, was it O'Leary? No, I don't remember. No, I don't remember what his name is. It's not. Or is it's that not is that the office? Is Kevin O'Leary? Wait, no, <laughs> Kevin O'Leary's Shark Tank, right? <laughs> no, that's a. Oh, it might be actually. Yeah, Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't. I didn't know. So again, he was another guy that was on my radar as a power forward center because he's a bigger dude. Yeah. But again, I think you run into the age issue with him. I also had another couple that I thought of uh, that could have just been like interesting fans to make a home court environment. <laughs> um, Skyler White. That would be like having. Yeah. That would be like the Philadelphia fans. Yeah. Yep. They're just they're mad at everything. Yep. You know what I mean. Yep. Uh, my other option for the fans was. Uh, Don Hector would be uh, Mississippi State. You know Mississippi State? Yeah, they they have the cowbell. Cow yeah. just has the, imagine like a million Don Hectors in the stands. Just ding, ding, that ding, would ding, ding. suck. You that would, would never so make a free throw that'd be if that so was happening, annoying. right? Yeah, that would, that would be really annoying. Mm -hmm. uh, I, mentioned, I mentioned Clifford Maine as another guy that could play power forward center. He was on my list. Uh, but that's pretty much it, to be honest. <laughs> okay. All right, that is our uh, Breaking Bad Better Call Saul Universe draft of basketball players. Let us know who won at RCST1320 Obviously my on Twitter. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson. Five o'clock hour here on the show. And uh, if you missed it last night with the NBA draft, you probably ended up getting a better night's sleep or you probably had a 
maybe more enjoyable night. There were certain things, you know, I, I don't want to say it wasn't like all bad necessarily. It was entertaining. It was draft, you know. There's always, that, that's the beauty of drafts. You're basically selling hope. But uh, as I talked about kind of earlier, it was it's kind of a cluster with, with everything that was going on. Like it, it got to a certain point in the second round where like, all the tr- it felt like every second round pick was like getting traded, and you just had no idea. Like at the moment, it was like, oh, the Thunder are selecting this player, the Lakers are selecting this player, but then it was like, oh, that player actually is not on. Like he's on like a different team because that pick got traded to another team who traded it to another team, and it was like, I have no idea who is actually picking these players, but it's cool to see them getting selected. I guess. Um, also, didn't love the the draft coverage and everything, but in the end, uh, KU ends up with both their players getting drafted. Grady Dick, there, there was some idea that hey, maybe he could, you know, go as early as six to the Orlando Magic. Um, and then it was kind of like, well, like maybe he'll be around that, like, you know, 9, 10, 11 range, something like that. Um, when he didn't go to the Magic with pick 11, because I know a lot of mock drafts had him going there, it was like, okay, well, where exactly is he going to go? And he ends up at pick 13 to the Toronto Raptors, which I think is a a very good fit for him. You have a team with the Raptors that basically over the last few years, they have just been emphasizing drafting and getting players who were like, I don't know, the Thunder have done this too. So it would have made sense if he would have gone there. But like, I don't know, like six foot eight, six foot nine, six ten. Uh, just these big guys who can handle the ball in a versatile. Like Scotty Barnes is basically like a six foot nine point guard. Uh, Pascal Siakam is this like six nine, six ten, like. Small forward, power forward, small ball center type that basically these guys that can that are very large that can defend multiple positions and handle the ball. The the I don't know, the problem might be too harsh of a word, but with doing that over and over again is eventually you're gonna need guys who are good shooters. And the beauty of Grady Dick is that he fits the profile of still being a larger player for his position. Like if you're playing Grady Dick at the shooting guard or the small forward, he's got good size at 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and he's he's a pretty solid athlete. But you're going to need somebody to space the floor, and that's exactly what he does. So I, I love the fit with him being in uh, Toronto, and they've been a team that you know does well with, um, I would say, their young players um, and, and kind of developing them, whether it's been like success stories of guys who like weren't drafted or guys that they did draft and, and they've kind of worked along. So uh, I, I think that's a good thing for him. Jalen Wilson ended up going a, a little bit later than I would have thought. Uh, I know Bill Self talked about maybe he could sneak into the late first round. I don't know that I was fully in on that, but I definitely thought he would be like an early second round pick, like at least in that like 30-ish to 40, 45 range for sure. Um, but then all of a sudden you started getting through like the second round. You started getting to some of the guys and you started seeing some of the players going. You're like, wait, who is that? Like, I'll be so uh the Nuggets took, gosh, I don't even remember the kid's name to be honest. I think it was like Hunter Tyson uh from Clemson with like pick 37. And when that pick happened, I was like, I have never heard of this guy once in my lifetime. I mean, no disrespect to I I guess that is disrespectful. So I guess disrespect intended there. Um uh, you know, Hunter Dyson, like, really good shooter. Like, okay, I, I get it. I understand why, you know, the Nuggets want him, whatever. But when I saw that happen, I was like, oh, no. This fall might be real for Jalen Wilson. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's causing it to happen. But then the further you get in the second round, too, the more you get into these, like, draft and stash candidates where it becomes even more problematic. He ends up going pick 51 to the Brooklyn Nets. I was glad to see him drafted because we have seen – a run of guys who we thought that for KU might be second-round picks and then ended up going undrafted, right? Whether it was a Devon Dotson, maybe you thought Cliff Alexander, just off the potential, former, you know, top-five recruit, would have at least gotten drafted. 
Uh, Wayne Selden, maybe you thought, had like a fighting chance of being a second-round pick. And those guys didn't end up happening. Uh, maybe Marcus Garrett. And it's it's tough to make it as an undrafted free agent. I mean, it's tough enough to make it as a second-round pick. But it maybe gives you a little bit more of a fighting shot, just the idea. Like, I do understand the, oh, well, if you're undrafted, you get to pick where you go. And maybe that can help you out in a certain way. If a team invests a second-round pick in you, though, that means that they are investing capital in you. And what are you going to be more likely to give an extra chance to? What are you going to be more likely to stick around just a little bit longer for a few extra games, a few extra weeks, for one extra year? The guy that, you know, you invested something in and that you put your job title claim to, you know what I mean? Like, that might be a little over-exaggerating for a second-round pick. But uh, it's the guy you used a resource on, you know? So there is a value in that. Uh, We'll see what Jalen Wilson comes out of this-wise, contract-wise. Because uh, sometimes second round picks, especially like the back half guys, are just getting two way deals, uh, and at that point, like it's it's you know you, you really got to work your way up. But other times they get guaranteed contracts, especially for the older guys. So uh, that's what I'm hoping Jalen can get if he can get you know a guaranteed one or two year deal or something like that, uh, make some good money and and have a real shot on a net team. That it'll be interesting to see what they do because they're maybe a bit more of a deeper team right now. They've got some off season decisions to make. They were a playoff team this past year, but part of that was because of the. Uh, floor that Kevin Durant raised for them before they traded him to where they like were in a good spot to make the playoffs but Mikhail Bridges looked really good so it'll be interesting to see what uh, he can do again coached by a former Jayhawk in Jacques Vaughn okay I wanted to talk a little uh, KU basketball here uh, we got to hear from Bill Self earlier this week and um, we we heard a lot about Hunter Dickinson you know we, we obviously know that Hunter Dickinson's going to get a ton of touches we know that Hunter Dickinson um, is going to put up, like, you know, probably really impressive stats, right? He could put up, you know, 19-9 and nine or something, a couple assists. Uh, we know he's going to get, uh, I don't know, opportunity to shoot some threes and, and show that part of his game expanding. You know, will he score? Like, like a lot of the conversation with Hunter Dickinson, it almost gets boring to a standpoint of, like, well, well is he going to score 17 a game or is he going to score 19 a game? You know what I mean? Is he going to score 20 a game? Is it going to be 18, right? Um, is he going to play 29 minutes a game? Is he going to play 33, right? It's it's just these little small things that, yeah, maybe they do matter. Maybe they do add up. And, you know, I, I think there are enough questions about intricacies. Um, will he be used a ton in the high post versus the low post? Will he be a pick-and-pop guy or more of a pick-and-roll guy, right? There are enough small intricacies in the questions there to pose some of those questions that I think are at least generally – I don't know, something that you can talk about and have ideas on. Um, But at the end of the day, they're all like small little things that, you know, does it really matter if Hunter Dickinson averages 18 a game versus 19, right? Does it it really matter this or that? You know, how how much are we going to know about the scheme stuff? Like that's all just going to be a guess for right now. Uh, But there are some interesting things that I think Bill Self talked about during his media availability over this last week and, and how they could possibly use Hunter Dickinson. And uh, I, I guess the first thing would, would be this. Uh, Bill Self was was talking about Hunter Dickinson being a really good passer. Obviously, Dewan Harris is the best passer on the team. Bill Self went out to say that Hunter Dickinson is the second best passer on the team. Here's what he had to say exactly. Well, I think that Hunter scores the ball more easily than anybody that we've had here in a while, if ever. But I also think, you know, he'll, he'll be, Hunter will be the second best passer on our team. I mean, there's one, and then there's Hunter, uh, 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 which is different for – you don't see that very often with a seven-footer. So he can really pass the ball. And, I mean, that's very high praise because 
it's not like you're talking about a team who has one point guard. Like, it would have been one thing to say that probably on last year's team, you know, where it's like, okay, who was your second best passer besides Juan Harris? Probably uh, Kevin McCuller. Like, Kevin McCuller's a solid passer, right? Um, but it's like, well, Bobby's fine as a passer. Joe, I don't know, that's not really his forte, right? That would have been one thing last year. Think about it this year. You have Dewan Harris, you have Arterio Morris, and you have El Marco Jackson. And El Marco Jackson has looked pretty good with these passing reads, and that was part of his game in high school, right? So um, that that is saying something pretty impressive for Hunter Dickinson with his passing abilities. It'll be interesting to see how KU utilizes that. Now, who are who are the best passing big men? that Bill Self has had. If you go back through the pantheon of of Bill Self big men, um, certainly Diedrich Lawson, I think, comes to mind as, as maybe the best passing big man that, that Kansas has had. He averaged like two and a half assists per game. The Morris Twins were both solid passers. But I don't know that there's been a big man at KU average three or more assists per game. With as much as Hunter Dickinson's going to have the ball in his hand, will that happen this year? I think I'm leaning no because if Diedrich Lawson didn't do it and that was with the team with a freshman point guard, albeit a talented one in Devon Dotson, but Devon wasn't known for being like a great passer either. Whereas with Dewan, he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot and he is known for being a great passer and get a lot of those assists. I'd probably lean no, but I, I could see Hunter Dickinson averaging, you know, two and a half assists per game. And I think that could be a realistic way of, of how it goes. Like Dewan could get you six, seven assists per game. You know, and then you could have Hunter Dickinson at like two and a half, Kevin Kohler at two and a half, and Marco and Artario at like two, where it's really going to add up just as kind of a everybody's moving the ball and a lot of different guys are getting multiple assists. But I, I think what's more interesting there is is beyond the statistics side of it is how KU could use that to run their offense. Think about how many times we've seen that, like, I think it's called blind pig play, whether it was with Udoka, Azubuki, Mitch Life, any big man where they line up at the high post with their back to the basket and they're they're kind of, you know, posting up on someone. And then they have a wing cut from the side and the big man just bounces it kind of no look behind them for the easy bucket. Now that doesn't necessarily take someone who can be a great passer. It takes more of somebody who has practiced that pass and just understands the read, right? It's That's more of like a... You know, you have the difference between college quarterbacks and NFL quarterbacks. Like in college, you might just be reading this one thing. Like if if this corner does this, I'm throwing to this guy. If he does that, I'm throwing to this guy. That's the equivalent of that versus actually like diagnosing the defense, where this guy's going to be, where this guy's going to rotate, where this guy's cutting, where it's going to be, right? There's, there's a difference in the complexity of the passing. But that'll obviously be something they use. And then you add to it that just having a good passer like that keeps everybody fresh to where – you know, there are going to be guys cutting and um, maybe having success off of that. So if you can be a good cutter off the ball, Hunter Dickinson will find you. Dewan Harris will find you. Kevin McCuller, I think, will be good at just that. I think that is something that we're probably not talking enough about K.J. Adams and, and how his role could be on the offense. If K.J. can just be a really good cutter, and which he has been like a good cutter and, and rim runner I, um, and, and like dunker, He's going to get some easy points just working off Hunter Dickinson and Dewan Harris, which I, I think will uh, work out to be pretty important. And I, I think to that notion, you've seen Nick Timberlake, some of his athleticism dunking the ball, like that could be something that he takes advantage of as well. So it's interesting because we think of last year, how often did KU use KJ Adams in that short roll opportunity where it was the pick and roll with KJ Adams and Dewan Harris comes off it, flips it to KJ into the high post on the short roll, and now KJ has the option to either kind of drive it to the rim at a shorter distance if the defense is playing one way, 
Or if somebody's open in the corner to the side, he can make that passing read to get it to them to maybe hit a three. And there was a lot of times that it worked just just really well. And now KU has two big men that can kind of do that with Hunter Dickinson and K.J. Adams. And that's just going to open you up so much in terms of big-to-big passing. It's going to open you up in, you know, you have multiple options to go to for the pick-and-roll, right? Like if you don't like the matchup of the pick-and-roll that you would get by bringing K.J. up, you can do it with Dickinson or vice versa. Just creates different opportunities and uh, openings and, and pressures for the defense um, in addition to the fact that if anybody double teams Hunter Dickinson, it's like, okay, good night. He's going to find the open shooter with Nick Timberlake and Dewan Harris, and obviously it puts pressure on KU's guys to make those threes. Uh, Dewan Harris, I, I don't know if all of a sudden he's going to be a off-the-dribble shooter, but if he can at least hit set threes, and then if Hunter Dickinson gets doubled, that's where that opportunity would arise. We expect Nick Timberlake to be able to do just that. Um, Arterio Morris, I think, should be able to do just that. Marco, I don't know, that might be a little inconsistent, but like with Jamari McDowell, Marcus Adams, you kind of expect them to do just that. But I think there should be enough there. Now, uh, this was kind of an interesting comment as well in, in figuring out exactly how Hunter Dickinson's going to play, where he's going to play, with Bill Self talking about that he just needs to play everywhere. I think that Hunter needs to be moved around and played everywhere. I think he's a perimeter player that can post. I think he's a post player that can play away from the basket. He's really a good passer, really good passer. Well, and again, you hear his uh, kind of raving about his passing. And, and to be clear, that's not Bill Self saying that Hunter Dickinson, oh, he's going to play small forward this year. He needs to play. He needs to play some point guard for us. He needs to play. He's, he's going to play some power forward. For, no, that's that's not what he's saying. Hunter Dickinson will be the center when he is in there. Um, there's the old adage in basketball where your position is who you are guarding, right? So when Hunter Dickinson is in there, he is going to be guarding the opposing center. He will not be guarding somebody else. Now, maybe if there's a switch, right, Like, or you're out in transition and it's just like, oh, you happen to get on this guy. But realistically, Hunter Dickinson is only guarding the center, right? So he is the center out there. But offensively, I think that's where this applies, that he needs to play everywhere. Uh, basically what that means with his passing ability, you can have those short roll opportunities, right? You could be playing there. You could be playing in the high post, whether it's for you to face up and shoot or to kick it out and pass. Uh, you could be playing from beyond the three-point line, whether it's a spot-up shooter or to space the floor to allow KJ to get inside, or to pick and pop. You could do that with Dewan Harris. You could pick and roll with Dewan Harris. You could get on the low block. You could get uh, set up a hook shot. You could set up something on the interior. You could set up a double team. You could get to the corner to shoot a three. You could shoot a three up top, right? Like It's just the versatility and how they're going to use him, I think, offensively. And the beauty of that is you can invert the offense to where KJ can play the five offensively, whereas Hunter is more of a four offensively in certain sets when he is setting up from three, when he is setting up from the high post. But defensively, he'll always be the five. So I think that's what kind of Bill Self meant there. Um, there was one thing that I, I was kind of curious on to that notion after you hear about Hunter Dickinson's passing and uh, to a certain extent playing through the center and having the center make these reads, having the center make these passes and make these decisions. Uh, Bill Self was at game five of the NBA Finals, obviously. You watch Christian Brown win an NBA title. And uh, I, I asked him a question at the press conference. I, I wasn't, you know, trying to say that Hunter Dickinson is Nikola Jokic. And um, I, I tried to make that clear in the question. And, and I don't think Bill Self took it that way anyway. Um, but just in terms of, you know, watching the Nuggets in that game and, and watching a team who just uh, the vague nature of saying, oh, a team plays through their center and their center is a good passer, right? Again, Hunter Dickinson is not Nikola Jokic. He's not Nikola Jokic as a passer. He's not right. But just in the nature of we're playing through the center, and the center is a good passer. 
In what ways can we utilize those skills? In what ways can we utilize those traits? If Bill Self noticed anything from the Denver Nuggets that maybe they can take away into their type of scheme. We run a lot of the same stuff that Denver did with KJ last year. A lot. The four out, the ball screen, the short rolls. Uh, we, we run a lot of that stuff. I think that we can even be more effective doing some things, even with Hunter being a bigger target and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do. And you saw how effective Jokic and Murray, the, that two-man game was for the Nuggets this year. Again, very different. If Dwan Harris was Jamal Murray, he'd be in the NBA. If Hunter Dickinson was Nikola Jokic, he'd be in the NBA. But you're also in college basketball. The players are not as good like they are in the NBA. So can that be the collegiate version of that sort of thing? Even though the players are so different. Dewan's not you know, the, the assassin shooter that Jamal Murray is. Hunter Dickinson is, is not a triple-double machine like Nikola Jokic is. But it's just the base skills of, of having those guys being able to play that two-man game, being able to run the game through your center, being able to use the short roll stuff, being able to you know pass out of the high post and, and find openings and find cutters and have everybody engaged that I think is going to make this team really exciting on the offensive end of the floor. And obviously they should be good defensively because you have Dwan Harris and Kevin McCuller and KJ Adams who are all either plus defenders or elite defenders uh, in different regards. So I'll be very interested to see the entirety of how they use Hunter Dickinson. I'm kind of thinking it will be kind of a mix of what you saw from like Diedrich Lawson, Marcus Morris, but also like David McCormick in how they want to use him on the post. Like I think it's going to be very high usage, but not always him shooting the ball for that usage. Like it could be him getting an assist. It could be him setting up somebody else. Could be him setting up a pass to another pass to get somebody open. But uh, I'm I'm sure Bill Self already has his gears turning and is excited uh, for the sets they're going to run and and how exactly they are going to use Hunter Dickinson this season. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Uh, Travis Goff gave an update about the update with the stadium stuff um, that I guess will, uh, I don't know. I, I was I was frustrated yesterday, to say the least. Uh, this calmed me down a little bit, and I'm sure it'll calm some of you down as well if uh, you were in the same boat as I was. We'll share that with you on the other side. You're listening to RCST on KLWN, depending on it.